first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house that she lived in was part of the city wall. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come to heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, Go, and he goes, and that one, Come, and he comes. I say to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, just because it's good to go back and see where we've been coming from, let's revisit where we've started this year. So far, we've spent all of January and the first part of February talking about the same central question, which is, how can we see God? How can we know God better in our own lives? And how can we know God's will for our lives from one moment to the next? After all, when we start to think about knowing God so often the thing that comes to mind most presently is the fact that God is immense. That God is beyond our understanding. We can't grasp everything that God can do because God can do everything. I mean, we're talking about the one who created the heavens and the earth. 
one who formed each of us by hand and gave us life, that's beyond anything that we can even begin to do, let alone comprehend. And so this question of how can we know God is one that we wrestle with day after day. But the good news is that God has shown us himself. We might not be able to come to an understanding on our own power, but God has revealed himself in many different ways so that we might know him better. Now, some of these ways are through our own experiences of faith. It's important to look back at how you've experienced God in your own life and to do so honestly through prayerful reflection, not embellishing it, not trying to play up the ways that you've experienced God, but rather by looking honestly at the ways that God has worked in your life. Because in them, you might come to find ways that God is working right now. But we also know that another powerful way that God reveals himself is through Scripture. Through the miracles that are worked through the Old and New Testaments, and through the person of Jesus who walked among us, who taught people, and yes, who worked miracles all throughout Israel as well. And so that's what we've been looking at for the past few weeks, are these miracles of Jesus and what they tell us about who God is and what God wants for us and from us as well. That brings us to this morning's scripture. But before we can really dig into this scripture, we have to acknowledge something that's true about people in general. And that's this simple fact that we, as a species, don't really like to ask for help. We don't like to uh, ask other people to help us do things. We don't like to go to the doctor, as we said last week. We don't like to need anybody else. We want to be able to take care of things on our own. This is something that stereotypically uh, applies a little bit more to men. You think about the stereotype of the man on a road trip who doesn't want to stop and ask for directions. And we know that this illustration has become less common now because simply you can just pull up Google Maps. You don't need to stop and ask for directions anymore. Although I will say, I have known at least one person in my life, I will not say who, who doesn't like Google Maps because when it says, turn right now, his response is, you don't tell me what to do. <laughs> it's something that really is a deep problem with us. We don't like to ask for help. Just think about, uh, I don't know if any of you do this, but I know that I will come back from the grocery store and if Kelsey's not with me at the moment, then I'll just try and grab all of the grocery bags by myself and carry them all in. I will not make a second trip. It's just not happening. Amen. <laughs> That's right. I know, I know you do it too. And this carries on even more. I mean, we all know people. Maybe we've been a person who rather than ask for help lifting or moving something has tried to do it themselves and injured themselves in the process. We don't like to ask for help, even when we know back in the backs of our minds that we need help. And this isn't just true for us now. This isn't a 21st century problem. This is something that's always been true. Nobody has ever liked to ask for help. 
This is why it's amazing that so many people came to Jesus looking for help. It's a perfect demonstration of the fact that people were desperate. They needed healing and they had exhausted all other options. And so they set aside any pride that they had and went to this man, this traveling preacher, and asked him for healing. So that's the backdrop for all of this. And that's where we start. Jesus enters a new town, Capernaum, in this case, and likely immediately was flocked, uh, had people flocking to him looking for healing. This happened everywhere that he went. Every time that he went somewhere new, there were people who came to him. But this time, Matthew lifts up one person in particular, a centurion, a Roman soldier, a member of this army that had occupied the land, who lined the streets and watched just to make sure that all of the Jewish people, all of the Israelites stayed in their place, that nobody got too rowdy, that everybody paid their taxes, and that everybody knew who was really in charge. This is what centurions did, after all. They were soldiers of the occupying army, and yet, at the very beginning of this story, a centurion, one of these soldiers, comes to Jesus. And that's the very first thing that we need to remember, is that this centurion came with humility to ask for help. This was a man who, by all accounts, would have considered himself to be above any of the Israelites, let alone this one who just drifted into town. He was above the people who lived in Capernaum, let alone the ones who didn't. He was in charge, after all. And yet, even though he would have had no reason to place Jesus in any kind of position of respect, he humbled himself and went to Jesus. But not only that, not only did he go to a man who was below himself in the social order, but he went on behalf of somebody who was below him as well. He wasn't even going for his own healing. He was going because he had a servant who was paralyzed. And so this soldier would have been proud and strong, respected and feared by the people, set aside his pride, and he came with humility to ask Jesus for healing on his servant's behalf. Think about how amazing that would be. Think about how powerful that kind of humility is. This is a man who knew that not only did he have no reason to respect Jesus, but Jesus had no obligation to do what he asked. After all, this was one of the occupiers. This was a foreigner who was coming in and making the people of Israel do what they didn't want to do. But recognizing that he was not one of the people whom Jesus seemed to have come for, he came anyway to ask for healing for his servant. 
And so the story continues. Jesus asks, shall I come and heal him? Jesus is open to this. He is okay with coming and healing this servant. He's healed a lot of people after all. But the centurion gives an interesting response. He says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. I'm a foreigner. I'm a soldier. I don't deserve to have a holy man come to me. But say the word and my servant will be healed. And then he says what I think is the most interesting part of this story. He says, for I myself am a man under authority. He says, I know what it's like to have a boss. And then he says, and there are soldiers who are under my authority as well. I tell this one to go and he does. I tell that one to come and he does. I tell a servant do this and he does it without question, without hesitation. And Jesus responds to this with amazement. What is the deal with this simple saying? Why is it important that he recognizes that he has a boss and that he is a boss to other people? And why is this so important to Jesus? It's simple, really. Because this man, though a Roman, saw and acknowledged that Jesus had authority. He says, I recognize that I have to listen to other people. And there are still others who have to listen to me. And in that exact same way, people have to listen to you, Jesus. Because you have authority, not just over people. You have authority over this illness that has befallen my servant. So if you tell it to go, then it will go. And Jesus responds, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. In that moment, it didn't matter that the soldier was a foreigner. It didn't matter that he hadn't been raised going to synagogue. It didn't matter that he didn't know the Jewish customs, that he didn't keep kosher with his eating, that he didn't follow the laws, because what mattered was that he recognized and had faith in the power of Jesus. And that he came to him humbly and asked for healing. He saw that Jesus had authority over his life, over the life of his servant, and indeed over the illness itself. And because of that, this Israel-Gentile divide didn't matter because that didn't restrict Jesus' power. Jesus can heal anyone. And so it gave Jesus the chance to reveal something about himself. This is all about revelation, after all. It's all about knowing about God and the kingdom of God and what God wants for us. And so it gives Jesus the chance to reveal that the kingdom is full of faithful outsiders like this centurion. Friends, have you ever felt like an outsider? This is something that plagues our society now. This is one of the biggest problems of the current day, is that for as connected as we are, for as easy as it is to communicate with each other and to share pictures and stories and to talk to each other, 
We feel so isolated and alone, like outsiders. And that's not just true out there. This is something that's true within the church as well. What makes you feel that way? There are so many different things that can cause us to feel like we are trapped outside. But the good news is that the kingdom is full of faithful outsiders. Maybe the thing that makes you feel like an outsider is that you didn't grow up in church and so you don't know the rituals, you don't know the prayers or the creeds. You don't understand the ebbs and flows of the worship service, when to stand and when to sit, maybe even when to kneel. And so you feel like you don't belong. But friends, the kingdom is full of faithful outsiders. You know who else didn't grow up in church? The centurion. And yet when he recognized Jesus' power and when he humbled himself before him and came to ask for healing, he knew what it meant to have a true and living faith. Maybe the thing that makes you feel like an outsider is something that you've done in the past. Maybe you've been through some things. Maybe you've seen some challenging stuff. Maybe you've done some bad things. Well, friends, Paul, one of the great apostles, without whom we would not have the church as it stands, was a murderer before he came to faith. If you look at all of the apostles, none of them were people of particularly high esteem. All of them had done some things and seen some things before they met Jesus. And yet when Jesus called to the fishermen to come and follow him, what, didn't, what mattered wasn't the fact that they were fishermen. What mattered was that they followed him. That they set aside any pride that they had and came. Because even though they were outsiders... Jesus came to say that the kingdom is full of faithful outsiders. Maybe it's simply that you are busy and distracted and worked to death. That there's no time to do the things that you can't be as involved as you want to be. Maybe you see everybody else who's up at the church every day and goes to every meeting and think, I can't do that so I don't belong. Well, friends, the good news of the gospel is that it doesn't matter what we do. What matters is that Jesus has done the work and that because of his power, we can know salvation. So if that's what makes you feel like an outsider, don't let it hold you back. Come to Jesus anyway and be welcomed into his kingdom. But maybe you are someone who did grow up in the church. Maybe you read this and get concerned because you're as far inside as can be. Maybe you do know all of the prayers and the creeds and the ebbs and flows of worship. You can tell exactly when to stand and sit and kneel without even having to look at the bulletin. You know everything that there is to know about our history, about who's here, Maybe you are fully in, and you read this and wonder, does that mean that I'm going to be cast out? Well, no. 
What it means is that it doesn't matter whether you were born inside or outside. What matters is faith and faithfulness. Because for those of us who were raised in the church, we have to set aside our pride just as much as the centurion. Because we need the healing of Jesus Christ just as much as someone who's just stepped into a church for the first time in their life. So my invitation for you, if you did grow up in the church, or if you're comfortable here, is to go outside of your comfort zone, set aside your pride, and cast it all at the feet of Jesus. And then to go and carry this message of Jesus out for one week, for this coming week. Here's my challenge. Pray for someone that you know every morning and night who needs the power of Jesus. We all know people who feel like outsiders, who feel isolated or lonely, like they don't have anywhere to belong. So this week, pray for them twice a day, more if you feel called. And then before the week is over, go and share with them the good news. That you belong to a kingdom where all are welcome, and that you want them to come and experience the same life-changing power. Because the kingdom is full of faithful outsiders. Imagine if we looked like this kingdom of God that Jesus has shown, that Jesus revealed to the centurion. Imagine if we looked like the kingdom that is a refuge for the broken, a haven for the needy, and a community for the outsider. Imagine if every one of us here went to that person who felt alone and hopeless and invited them to come. Imagine the difference that it can make for a lonely person to know that there is a community where they are not just welcomed, but where they are wanted. Imagine the impact that you could make on somebody's life just by going and telling them that you know good news about Jesus, and they can know it too. As you go out this week, as we pray for the people around us, the people that we know, do it in the name of Jesus, who has shown us that this is a kingdom that's full of outsiders, that none are beyond his healing power, and that it doesn't matter where you've come from, all that matters is where you're going. Do these things in the name of Jesus who makes them possible at all. It's in his name. Amen.